2: This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Welcome to a special presentation of Turn On the Jets Digital. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at jet one We're going to talk about the entire process that went on, the madness, the sadness, involving everything surrounding the Adam Gay story, and also, from here, what that means for the Jets, where they go from here, the whole shebang, with one of my favorites, he is the editor-in-chief and now the owner over at JetsInsider.com, Mr. Chris Nimbly. Chris, what's going on, man?
1: Not much, you know, everything's good over here, and uh, I I think you're right, it's as always with the Jets, it's all of those things—the happiness, sadness, and madness—all rolled into one. <laughs> Let's go.
2: <laughs> it's always that way with the Jets, and with this story, I went over the news of it with Daryl Slater from NJ.com yesterday. But Chris, I wanted to ask you about a couple of things involving this. It seemed like everybody had different sources, as they say. I- and yes. they were all saying different things. I know Manish had the Matt Rule thing for a while. And then Albert Breer was saying Gase or McCarthy. And then Lock and Four was saying they were looking to lock down Matt Rule. And you had other people saying Mankin was in the mix. Everybody was hearing different things. What is your take on where this stuff was coming from? Was it all agent speak? Were there leaks from the front office? Were there leaks from the coaches' camps? What was happening with all this?
1: There A little bit of everything, once again. It always comes back to that. There was definitely agents. I I talked about it a lot on Twitter because I was was taking a different approach than the other writers. I was tweeting out explanations of everything I heard, and I was telling you these are all contradicting things, but you can sit there and I could tell everything I was hearing about McCarthy was coming from an agent. It was all agent-speak. It was in the obvious. So it was easy for me to sit there and be like, okay, they're not really taking him seriously. It was a little harder to work through and work out all the other stuff, the rule stuff, the market stuff, the gay stuff. And, uh, you know, I was hearing all of them. I was hearing how they were all about Kingsbury. And now they didn't even offer Kingsbury the job. So you have to sit there, and I guarantee you all the other reporters were hearing... The same very reports that I was, they just decided to stick with the one that they trust the most to run out there, where I decided to tell everything I heard and explain that this all who knows what any of it means.
2: Yeah, that was what was happening with me, too. I had people from all over the place telling me A and B and C. And so within a five-minute span, I'm getting somebody credible telling me that Matt Rule is at Florin Park. And then somebody else telling me that Matt Rule is at Waco back home your head started to spin it was one of these realizations that half the time nobody really knows what they're talking about because like you said they're getting fed from camp a camp b camp c and when it all comes down to it everybody's spinning it to their advantage in some way it's a wild jungle out there man people don't realize the stuff that reporters have to sift through yeah and
1: like the reports that i was trusting the most told me that rule uh, was their number one option uh leading up to all this stuff and then gase would end up being the backup those are the reports i trust the most but i didn't trust them enough to just run with just that so i had to include everything else and again we talked about this one of McKagan's best traits or, or worst traits depending on how you want to look at it is the way he uses the media he Uses the media to defend himself, but he also uses the media to get out uh, misinformation. And especially when they ha- were targeting rule, they don't want everyone focused on rule because of you know the, all the issues with ha- having to worry about recruiting with him. So there's just pumping out misinformation right there, and that's that's a part of the, this whole thing. And that's why, and like if as everybody I talked to was telling me really, really rule, then I can run with rule. But I'm getting two people going with Rule, back backup, and then I'm getting three other people telling me completely opposite things, and it just mucks it up just enough for me to not have confidence to run with Rule.
2: It is absolutely incredible what was going on. And as I was joking to you before we came on the phone, this is how you got Carl. (laughs) This is how Carl happened. And by the way, I'm going to talk to Carl in a couple of days. I believe on Monday he's going to come on the podcast and we're going to get his side of the story. Did he actually have a source who ended up being wrong in the end? Because remember, he does have connections to the Johnsons somehow, supposedly. Or was it all an elaborate hoax and he was able to fool all these people? People on Twitter, because he told them what they wanted to hear. We're going to hear his side of the story, but this is how somebody like Carl, who had almost no followers, all of a sudden reports something and it just goes viral and takes off. And within a few hours, this guy goes from something like 50 followers to a thousand because everybody's being deceptive. There's a thousand different reports, and this one guy comes out with this declarative statement saying, I know for a fact. Matt Rule is going to be the head coach. I have a source that says it's getting done today, blah, 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 whereas everybody's hedging their bets in other corners. So people were like, wow, this guy must have a real source, and this is how this thing spread. And again, I want to hear Carl's story about it and see if it was a situation where he actually did know somebody and he got bad information or situation changed or if this is all an elaborate troll job, which, by the way, if he did do this as an elaborate troll job, there are people that are mad at him. I think it's hilarious, personally.
1: Yeah, yeah, I agree. And uh, we were talking about this. I think if, if Carl did this last week, it wouldn't have been a big deal. It was because of the way everything played out, because everybody was sick of waiting. Everyone just wanted something to be said. And I feel we all got the feeling that it was going to be happening soon. And then out of nowhere, Carl comes with this take. And it was just like everyone, no one knew what to do with it, but it was hilarious and random and out of nowhere. So, we all just ran with the joke and mocking the situation hit there, and like the thing that I found hilarious about it to me is that I'm reading it and I'm like, yeah, this is a lot of what I'm hearing too, and, and the ones I trust the most. But uh, you could see, I don't know, maybe if it's just the fact that he's a young kid still in high school, he doesn't know uh, how to go about journal- a journal. A reporter is never going to tell you a signing is going to happen by a certain time. That that's the reporter is not going to do that. That's like. The deal could be agreed to, but the signing doesn't take place. There's a million things that could happen where you would never tie in a certain time. And then also, this is a little bit old-school journalism, but he said, somebody asked him how good the source is. He said it's very reliable. He had one source. You're not supposed to run with the story off of just one source. That doesn't mean that what uh, what he had wasn't a legit source, but if he knew more about journalism and reporting, then he would have taken steps to frame his his uh, take a report a little bit
2: differently. And that's the thing that people are missing. You talked about this to me before we started recording. Carl is not a reporter. I mean, he put on his bio, Jets Insider, which is really funny to me. But he's not a reporter. He's just the dude on Twitter. And people are getting mad at him like he's Albert Breer or Jason Lock and Four or somebody like that. And by the way, this should have taught us Albert Breer is a guy to trust on Jets issues. I knew that anyway because if you recall, Chris, I had him on the podcast to talk us through the whole Darnold episode and he has sources inside that organization that helped him write that story, so he's plugged in. A lot of these other guys though are wrong all the time. Lock and four are wrong all the time. Some of these other NFL quote-unquote insiders seem to flip their opinions every two seconds based on which way the wind is blowing and so they could say, oh, I was right in the end. But this kid didn't have any of that Going on he was just somebody that was on Twitter whether he had a source or not If he had a source then he was just reporting what he Heard from somebody and if It wasn't a source then he was just messing around But either way it's not like he's a professional Reporter people are acting like he Violated some sanctity of Twitter reporting
1: Uh, Yeah and listen even if he was Trolling and are are Completely making it up like there's there's No way that he could have expected That that would have taken off like that So like (laughs) You know, he didn't. Ex- he couldn't have expected it. He threw it out there. Maybe he was just trying to impress his, the fifty followers he had. Who knows? But he didn't expect it. He's a, a, a kid, high school kid. He's not going to be held to the same standard. Like it doesn't. It's. It's. It was all just hilarious. And like the, anybody that wants to look at it for anything other than a, jo- a hilarious joke and just have fun with it
2: This is the Overtime Podcast Network. You're doing it wrong. So let's relive that day a little bit before we get into where the Jets go from here. It started out where we were getting reports that Gase was very much still in the mix. That was coming from Albert Breer. We also had reports that the Jets might be closing in on Matt Rule. I believe that was coming from Jason Lock and Fora, and he was reporting that the Jets were pushing a Matt Rule-Adam Gase combination. They were going to have a decision within the next 24 hours. Manish Mehta of the Daily News was reporting that the Jets' top choice was Matt Rule. You had Mike McCarthy's camp leaking to Adam Schefter that he was either going to take the Jets' job or he was going to take the year off, and a report surfaced. Although I can't remember who it was, was. from that McCarthy basically told the Jets if you want me here are my terms I'll come and be the coach of the Jets if you meet my terms otherwise I'm sitting out the year so we had so many different reports from so many different corners and everybody had sources everywhere And in the end, this led to so much confusion. Take me through your day of what you heard from who. You don't have to give me, obviously, specific names, but what you were hearing throughout the day as far as, okay, this source told me this, now this source told me that. What was going on with you as an actual beat reporter?
1: Yeah, well, first, like, the name leading up to that day, the name that I was hearing the most with the sources I trust the most was Matt Rule, And uh, that seemed to be their target as their number one, choice you know going into everything before they had completed their interviews and then you know again i kept hearing mccarthy stuff but i wasn't getting the sense that, that any of that was real that all seemed manufactured from the agent and again like if you look at my twitter profile my the, the tweet i have pinned the article i wrote um introductory about me taking over the site and uh i talk about this all the time if you just look at the way reports are framed you can tell where they're coming from you can tell who is served by this purpose report being released and you can tell where that the root of that is coming from so it's easy to do when it's coming from agents and like i said to you earlier if an agent is telling you anything other than my client just signed somewhere then that agent is using you it's very simple for reporters but reporters run with that anyway they want to get the information, and, and be used by that agent so that agent will turn around and tell them when the client has signed. Um, I was hearing very little on Monken at first. Uh, you know, After the interview, I, 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 it was very quiet. It seemed to me that they weren't impressed with Monken at the time. I found out later that they were actually very impressed with Monken. They, they liked him a lot, but they decided to roll with games. But at the time, everything was quiet on and So I was kind of starting to scratch him off. And the Gase thing, at first, I I had said that I thought McCarthy and Gase were just doing the due diligence, saying that they talked to the guys who was experience. But then as it got closer, days and days, it was like, no, Gase is uh, a very serious contender here. And being able to sort through it all, trying to figure it all out, it led me to believe that, and this is why I, I, part of why I was having so much fun with the Carl thing is I was like, I think he's right. He's working with the same information I am right now. I think, I don't know that he actually knows or anything, but I think he's going to be proven right. And he was very close to being taken. And as it seems, it was basically It was very close to getting done. And then they went with Gates.
2: Chris, we've talked a lot about what Gase did in Miami. We're going to talk at length, I'm sure, at some point about what he did in Denver, what he did in Chicago. We're going to get into all of that. Joe Blewett is going to come on and break down his offense. So much to unpack with Adam Gase, but we're going to leave all of that for another time. Right now, I want to know what the way forward is going to be for the Jets. Whether you like the Gase hire, whether you don't like the Gase hire, it doesn't matter. It's done with now, so let's talk about the Jets moving forward. What do you think this means for the team as far as what they're going to try to do staff-wise, what they're going to try to do player-wise, what they're going to try to do in the draft, free agency, everything? What's the way forward here for the Jets after hiring Adam Gase?
1: Yeah, well, the first thing we're going to have to do is figure out and wait and see who the D.C. will be. Um, you know, because how is that all going to fit? Are they going to bring in somebody with a four three? How will how would Leo fit in that? How would Darren Lee fit in that? I think Darren Lee would actually benefit a lot by being in a four three. Um, so that that could change some things. You know, what, what what do they do there? You know, with Steve McClendon in there, what type of uh you know coverages are they going to run? We're going to have to wait and see on all that. On offense, though. One of the, you know, Gase, we talked about this again, Gase has been talked up as this brilliant offensive mind, this super innovator, and I think that's getting a little carried away here. But he is a good offensive mind. He does do some scheming things. I lo- loved what he did this year by getting Albert Wilson, by getting Jakeen Grant, by working with uh, some of Tannehill's limitations, he was getting credit earlier in the year when Tannehill had a good stretch. One of those games, uh, in there was against the Jets where Tannehill was putting up good numbers, but it was a lot of basically extended handoff type passing plays. You know, just a little cost pass and watch Albert Wilson run for 78 yards. Um, but he recognized how to work with the talent that uh, Tannehill had. He added those speed guys. He got them, schemed them open so it was, uh, a short pass, and an open field in front of them, and they could use their speed to take off. And you've got to, now, you are going to have questions how these case and uh, Robbie Anderson's personalities are going to clash, but I think if you look at what he did with Albert Wilson when Albert Wilson is healthy, that gives you reason to be excited, see what he can do with Robbie Anderson, who is a better, more complete receiver than Albert Wilson, but also extremely fast. So some of that, one concern I do have though, there's been reports that last year he wanted to put all the money on defense and he didn't want to spend any money on, on guards or anything. And yeah, that's, that's a problem. The offensive line is the number one thing that determines all the good teams in this league. They have great offensive lines. That's the most common denominator between a good team and a bad team. So. There's a lot of things, and of course, the personality, running people out of there, his my way or the highway attitude, how is that going to mesh with some of the players? Jamal Adams isn't going to come out here and bash Adam Gase, but if they're losing, he's going to voice his frustration, and Adam Gase isn't going to like that. So there's a lot of moving parts, a lot of things that have to mesh well, and a lot of cause for concern. But you know, it, there's also some optimism you can hang on, and that's that's just. But I think most of that is just hoping Darnold is better than the quarterbacks that Gase had to work with in Miami.
2: Have any of the players, besides obviously Sam Darnold, come out and said anything publicly about the Gase hire?
1: I saw Avery Williamson tweeted earlier today. I forget it what, what it was, but it was, it was some generic. It was just like welcome. Case, let's get it, or something like that. It wasn't something about loving the hire or anything. Uh, I've only seen the Sam comments and I you know, I know a lot of other reporters are running with it and it and that means nothing. Sam Darnold isn't going to do and forget about the fact that they say, share that same agent because that's that's enough to get that. But who cares? Sam Darnold isn't gonna do anything but say positive things. The only way Sam Darnold is gonna be Against this is if Gaze was like, yeah, I'm not playing you. That's the only way that Sam Darnold was going to object to anybody. That He's not that type of person. He's going to go with it. And everything he said about, uh, Gage, he also said about Jeremy Bates. So it doesn't, it doesn't matter. It's, it's really irrelevant. I get why people are running with the story, but it's just kind of silly.
2: What's going on with Vance Joseph? Is that the guy that it looks like Gase is going to bring in as the DC? We've heard Greg Williams' name floated a little bit. What are you hearing there?
1: I. It feels like they're waiting on Joseph because it, it, that's what it feels like to me. I know some of it. The concern is, and you know, people are wondering why the Jets haven't announced it yet. I know some of it is. Uh, I tweeted earlier that you know some of the coaches, defensive coordinators like Vance Joseph, are still uh, interviewing for jobs. And then Connor Rogers tweeted me, and also, you know, like the offensive guys that Case uh, is going to bring in are still under contract, so they need to get that worked out and get released from their contracts and all that. But right now, it it the fact that it's taken so long to get a defensive coordinator makes me think that they're going with they want Vance Joseph as their first choice. I think that would be a mistake. I would think Greg Williams and Chuck Gatto would both be better choices, but, but neither of them have any holdups or any reasons why you would wait to hire them. Lance Joseph does, and obviously Gage has worked with him before, so that makes me think that that's going to be the choice.
0: With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere.
1: Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone
2: seen the bride and groom? It's going to be Gase reporting to Chris Johnson and Mike McKagan reporting to Chris Johnson. How is this going to work? Because we know that Gase has had issues with management of all stripes. Do you think there's any potential for real disaster? Because a lot of people don't like this reporting structure as it is with Gase. It seems like it could be a little thorny. What do you think this means for McKagan as well?
1: There is absolutely potential for disaster. Like absolutely. This is, uh, to get somebody with Jace's personality, it makes this the most volatile it could possibly be. Um, you know, if if he had to report directly to McCagnin and that type of structure, at least he'd be taking it up with McCagnin straight to fa- face-to-face. Now you're setting it up where, and I, I'm not just now because this is how it has been, but you're setting it up where they're basically, the GM and the coach are basically arguing against each other that basically talking behind each other's back, you're you're welcoming that, you're inviting that. Like so it it's just it's gonna be volatile if it doesn't work out. And if Gase feels like McAnan isn't getting him the players that he needs, which we know is can very well be a problem because he didn't get bowls the players that he needs. Gage is gonna let Christopher Johnson know. He's gonna let the media know. He's gonna let the players know. And then all of a sudden, McCagnan's going to do his passive-aggressive stuff where he he's leaking stuff to the press to make Gates look bad and this and that. But the one good thing I, I will say about this, is, uh, you know, silver linings, I think, is if this fails, I expect it to fail disastrously in the first two to three years. And then you can get him up out of here fairly quickly, at least.
2: Chris, what's the deal with the presser? I know that reports are the deal's official, but I haven't heard anything yet about when they are going to have the official press conference.
1: Yeah, I think they're waiting for the staff. At least at least both the uh at least the defensive coordinator and then the offensive coordinator. I think they just want to have the entire staff uh to announce it. They want to be able to get it all over in one shot and not have to uh, you know, bring us back in or have to worry about that stuff afterwards. i really think it's that it's just that
2: simple i'm very curious about where the jets go from here and we're going to start to see it over the next few weeks as the staff gets hired as we have the senior bowl as we have the combine the draft process free agency we're going to see how this marriage works we're going to see how this reporting structure works some people have said this has circus potential it could work though right there's a possibility it could work Yeah, it could absolutely work.
1: Listen, uh, one of my main concerns, again, I was telling you, is all the defenses I'm hearing of Gase is the same defense I heard of Bowles at the end of last season. It's all the same thing. He didn't have enough talent to work with. He didn't have a quarterback. You know, it's all the same stuff, which is true. It's all true, but that doesn't also mean that he's a good coach. They don't, you can, they can both be bad. So we're going to see and uh, but again it's not i don't it's not that I don't think he's a good offensive coach or an offensive mind or a good play caller it's his personality his brace of personality, that my way or the highway a philosophy that causes me the most concern. I think players are going to buy in right away because that's what happens they they will give the new coach a chance they'll buy in, and because they're going to play a last place schedule I can them having a solid season, even overachieving with eight nine wins, and then people being fully on board. But then, as you get the next year, you get two or three losses in a row, and then all of a sudden, players are like, Yeah, you're trying to be Belichick, you're not Belichick. It's hard to implement that type of philosophy and style when you don't have the rings behind it. People come into the Patriots facilities. Knowing that's what Brady's, uh, Belichick's like and knowing about his past success, they don't, they're not going to be willing to stick through all that when things get rough, when you have rough patches and stuff. So it's very, very, uh, you know, volatile situation that could definitely blow up. But again, he does have a better, uh, better weapons to work with here. He has a all better. They're going to have the money to spend. It's mostly whether he's going to fail or succeed, especially in year one, is going to come down to what Mike McCagney does with his $100 million and his draft choices. It's really that simple. Talent will win out. He's a good enough coach to win games with a talented roster. I don't think he's a good enough coach to severely, dramatically overachieve with a roster that he shouldn't do as well with.
2: Yeah, I think Chris Moore really nailed it on the Turn on the Jets podcast with Joe Caporoso when he said everybody's got their attention on the coaching search for obvious reasons. But if the Jets are going to succeed, no matter who the coach is, they've got to get an infusion of talent. And so the most important guy right now is Mike McCagnin. All eyes should be shifting to him because now he's got this money to spend. He's got the draft picks to use, and he's got to use them wisely because ultimately, like you said, whether it's Gase or anybody else, A coach needs talent to succeed, and if a coach has talent, he will do fine. Even if he's not the greatest coach in the world, you have to be Bill Belichick if you have a great team. We've seen it over and over again. Look at Barry Switzer with the Dallas Cowboys as an example. You have enough talent, you can overcome it. So regardless of whether or not Adam Gase is a good coach, a bad coach, somewhere in between, The eyes now shift to Mike McCagnin to see what he's going to do in the offseason. And Chris, that'll be the next major topic that we have. Free agency, it's coming up. It's around the corner. I know people think, oh my God, it's so far away. It's March. March isn't that far away now. You're looking at six weeks or something like that. So it's going to be an interesting bunch of weeks as we speculate what the Jets are going to do. We assume they'll make a run at the big free agents because they have all this cash, but It will be something that, just like this coaching search, takes over our lives for a while, Chris. And I'm looking forward to talking to you about it over the next few weeks, and we'll dive more into Adam Gase as well and different things and different aspects, including the film with Joe Blewett. So it's not just going to be Adam Gase Central, although we are going to have a lot of that over the next week or two, but we are going to start bringing you a lot of free agency info and speculation and so on, just to have some fun with it like we did last year with the roundtables. And you'll have all the normal TO J. Digital programming, including Michael Nania, who's going to be debuting a numbers nerd podcast coming up. It's going to be called The Chronicles of Nania because it's funny, so why not run with that title? And we'll have that for you starting next week. Chris, I know you're a big fan of that. Yes. Chris, thank you so much for coming on and talking to me through the process of the day that will always live in infamy for Jets fans, December 9th, 2019, and then, of course, where the Jets go from here beyond. December 9th, 2019 The day of Carl is over The era of Adam Gase is upon us Let's hope that it works out for the best for the Jets We're going to see exactly how it plays out Over the next few months And if that's an indication of good or bad to come Chris Nimbley, the editor-in-chief and owner Over at JetsInsider.com Thanks so much for coming on For anybody that is unfamiliar with you And if you are, come on man Start following this man on Twitter Go to JetsInsider.com Where can they find you?
1: Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at C. Nimbly, um N-I-M-B-L-E-Y, or I'm Jeff Insider. And, yeah, we're going to move start moving on from the coaching search. Uh, if you want to tweet me about uh, college players to, to start scouting early, somebody you want stuff on, I'm going to start digging into the college state soon. Obviously going to start looking at the free agency. So if there's any players anyone wants me to take a look at or think about, let me know. But, uh, yeah, it, it's going to be a fun offseason right now. We've got coaching search behind us. We've got $100 million to spend and uh, a very high draft pick. So there's going to be a lot of takes, a lot of speculation and bait going on, and we're going to try to bring you as much of it as possible.
2: Absolutely. Looking forward to talking to you more throughout the offseason, Chris. In the meantime, check out JetsInsider.com. And for all the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts, you know where to go. That's turn on the jets digital and turn on the Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky.
0: Lucky in line at the deli, I guess. Haha, in my dentist's office.